Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! Yes, you're doing a really quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call the Ghostbusters. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extraplasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that believes Hulk Hogan is well-suited to cameo in a Ghostbusters project given his prior work with the PKE meter in Suburban Commando. And if you're wondering what that means, Google it. The PKE meter has been in so many movies as a random science prop, it'll blow your mind, brother! I'm your host Jim Maritato, aka Vink Maniac from the internet, and I'm stoked to be bringing you episode 40. I'm also somewhat terrified because this means we are merely six episodes away from needing to fulfill some pretty grand expectations or achievements of finding the podcast's voice if we're following Ghostbusters Afterlife rules. Zero pressure, everybody! Uh, but in all honesty, I'm so genuinely excited about this week's episode and some of the top stories in this week's headlines. Um, this week we're checking back in with our friends over at the Containment Unit. Matt Sanders and Tom Henry, who've been on the podcast individually before, Join the podcast together, and this week we're chatting about their recent Busters Across California autograph tour where they worked to get over 500 signatures from nine signers from the Ghostbusters cast and production family. They speed signed with William Atherton, hung out with Richard Edlund, had a homemade meal with Stuart Ziff, met up with Robin Shelby, had drinks with Steve Johnson, went to a museum with Mark Brian Wilson, appraised the collectibles in John Bruno's archives, and even c- recorded some podcasts along the way. Um, and some of that might be, I don't know, a little bit exaggerated, but I don't think so when you listen to this episode because they did most of these things. They may not have entirely appraised uh, John Bruno's archive, but they definitely did let him know about what his Sakuda uh, Stay Puffs are worth. <laughs> but anyway, it's always fun chatting with Matt and Tom, and I was excited to meet up with them in the middle of this trip. Uh, and now to recap some of their amazing and exciting moments from the trip. Uh, There's some really great stories in this week's podcast, and I want to thank Matt and Tom for coming on the show this week to tell us about the experiences they had, as they certainly had some very unique and cool opportunities to interact with some great folks who've been involved in the production of Ghostbusters and its various uh, films to follow and what have you. Uh, But before we get into that conversation, we need to talk for a few minutes about what's happened over the last week in Ghostbusting. So let's take a look at some Ghostbusters headlines. Still making headlines all across the country, the Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. On in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Extra plasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at you. Let's start off headlines with news about Ghostbusters Firehouse filming, or perhaps more accurately, the rap of Ghostbusters Firehouse filming. That's right. Executive producer Eric Reich posted to Instagram this week that principal filming for the next Ghostbusters movie is now complete. And he made this message via the app's stories feature alongside an image of himself and fellow producer Erica Mills in T-shirts featuring the Ghostbusters and Panavision logos mashed up. Uh, So apparently we are done with filming for this movie. There, There was a big it's a rap post on Instagram uh, and Eric and Erica were wearing matching T-shirts that had the Panavision logo with the Moogly in the middle of it. That was quickly followed by an Instagram story posted by writer and producer Jason Reitman. Uh, and that was of a kitschy and like cutified Ghostbusters logo 
from a t-shirt where Mowgli was wearing headphones and holding one hand to his ear in a strange way, kind of like Hulk Hogan. Uh, but I digress. <laughs> it's not clear if this is perhaps the t-shirt design for the sound mixing folks or those working on the score. But there are two things that are very clear. One, filming is done. And two, Ghost Core developed a lot of really cool logos for the production of this movie that I fully expect to see recreated on Etsy or on Ghostbusters patch and pin on Facebook. Uh, shout out to Borzu. What's up? Um, so point being that we're less than six months away from an expected release date with the footage uh, to make a movie now in the can. Instead, we've now moved on to the part where uh, we can discuss what the little logos that are coming out mean, which departments got which uh, different t-shirt designs, and what the Vegas, Vegas odds are on whether this movie will actually make its release date that we expected in December. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think it's worth considering, though, that six months is kind of a decent amount of time at this point with the way that films are made. Everything is being shot digitally, which means that anything could have been taken from dailies and, you know, passed over the Internet to folks who could have been working on stuff. So if effects teams have been working on footage as it's been shot um, and editing is happening and, you know, the pieces of the movie have been coming together in progress maybe we'll meet we will see that date happen I, I don't really know i think that you know some of us are still a little skeptical about what's happening with that and even at licensing expo when uh ghost core had uh you know a, a setup at that licensing expo that we talked about on the podcast last week uh, there was no release date for the movie there so you know whether or not we're holding to december or whether that's going to change who knows but the good news is there's no more filming to do uh, and if there's a reason to be really happy about that, other than just a Ghostbusters movie being, you know, so done uh, in terms of its principal filming, it's that it means that we're a little safer now. If, for instance, like a SAG after strike were to happen, that could potentially affect something like a redubbing of lines or ADR. But unless the film needs to go into reshoots for some reason, even if for some reason there were to be an actor strike at this point, uh, the the impact on the film we would hope would be minimal given that the principal filming is done. So that's all, you know, Jim's speculation. There's no like big, uh, hey, here's what that means for SAG after if it goes on strike. It's just what I'm sort of saying here is a, at a at an opinion level. But I think it's good for us to know that the uh, the principal filming is secure and done. So uh, congrats to everybody involved and uh, for everybody who's packing up things and coming back from London. Uh, good luck. And um, you can feel free to stop by my house and drop off the firehouse in the garage. I'll be happy to take care of it and uh, build it in my backyard for Halloween. Uh, just, you know, let's just look, give me a call when you need to come by and we'll give you the code to punch into the garage. OK, Ghost Corps. Uh, in addition to Ghostbusters Firehouse news, if there was any doubt about Bill Murray's involvement in the next Ghostbusters movie, consider that 100 percent resolved. Uh, Bill Murray appeared at a Major League Baseball game in London. Some of you right now are going, that doesn't make any sense. And you're right, except that the Major League Baseball ha has been doing a world tour event. And apparently the Chicago Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals played a game and Bill Murray was there. Uh, and so during the game, he was interviewed by BT Sport, who asked him what he'd been doing in London. In response, he claimed he had been working on a sequel to a phantasmic movie he made in 1984 in America uh, so we've already reported here on Extraplasm that Bill Murray's in this forthcoming movie because he's in London. Dan Aykroyd says he's in the movie and of course he's in the movie. But now we have it straight from the horse's mouth. He's just not saying the title because he's Bill Murray and he's still being coy. But if you want to hear him say it, you can check out the interview segment. It's embedded in the Ghostbusters news article on Murray's confirmation that you can find at Ghostbustersnews.com. 
I mean, I fully expected him to be back for this picture. I still kind of think it would be funny if he only appears in like Zoom call uh, <laughs> capacity, if he's just like in a Zoom window as something is going wrong at the firehouse. And, I mean, it's kind of the story of Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, to be honest. There's a the whole plot of that is that he sends them something in the mail and that's what ticks everything off and sends ends up with Winston being possessed. Spoilers if you haven't played Spirits Unleashed yet, but you've had time. Uh, so, uh, but I think that it's good that he's back. I'm excited that, you know, everybody who's is coming back for another picture. I'm hopeful that we're going to see more of the Ghostbusters in this picture, which I think is, you know, to be real, I don't, I know that this is a movie that at this point we should be moving forward and we're going to be working with like, you know, the new generation of Ghostbusters. But I think that some of us still feel like we are missing the Ghostbusters a little bit in Afterlife, that they were, you know, popped up at the end and we would have liked to have seen more of their character dynamics as adult, you know, not, I mean, they were always adults, but as older adults uh, who've matured or changed, et cetera. So I'm hopeful that we get to see more of the dynamic of Ghostbusters in the firehouse and that we get to see the interactions of, say, uh, you know, the, the sort of older generation and the older guard and the new guard with where we get to see them get to know each other a bit. And so, um, you know, we'll see how that's going to play out. Nobody knows what this movie's going to be yet, and we're going to find out when we get there. But I do think I am really happy to know that, you know, like I said, I assumed that Bill Murray was in this movie, but to kind of know definitively that he's like, yes, I'm in the movie means that anybody who was even slightly worried about it, including me in my most irrational moments, um, you know, you, you can rest easier now. And I will, too. So in uh, merch news, there's not a whole lot to report this week, but if you've been waiting to get your hands on the one fourth scale premium collectible statues, uh, that are going to be coming out over the next few months. Uh, you can pre-order the Egon figure now at collectpcs.com. I think these actually are coming in uh, spring of 2024 is the actual delivery date. So uh, for the first set of these, these are really high-end figures that are coming from uh, Premium Collectible Studio. And they're, I mean, I'm not going to pretend these are like cheap. They're not. The standard statue is going to set you back at $675 and has an undetermined run size, while the deluxe edition comes with a sculpted proton stream and has the limited run size of $375. And the like big daddy is the deluxe edition that comes with a sculpted or deluxe silver edition. I'm sorry. It comes with Slimer, the Proton Stream, a metal certificate of authenticity, a statue cleaning kit, and a chance at winning a one ounce silver coin. Uh, that also apparently can be redeemed for a hundred dollar gift certificate to PCS. Um, so these latter two options that are limited at 375 and 150 pieces are going to be set you back at $725. Um, now be real. These are no doubt impressive figures with amazingly detailed sculpts. And if you're into high end figurines, you're not going to want to miss out on this, especially if you want to be able to say that you have one of the Slimers from this, because it seems like the only way to get Slimer is going to be to get one of these Egon figures that is one of the first 150 available for the silver deluxe. So if you're into doing this, if you're thinking about getting awesome high-end statues to add to your uh, cool uh, statue room, which I don't know, doesn't everyone have a cool statue room? <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it sooner than later is my advice, uh, because sadly, you know, these are going to be out of there. There's only 150 of those with, with Slimers. Um, this is going to be out of my price range, admittedly, but they are really nice. And uh, I I envy anybody who manages to collect the entire set because it's going to be like one of those things that you'll probably never get rid of and treat like museum pieces, given how nice they are. 
So let's talk about more affordable merch for a few minutes so I can stop feeling bad about things I can't buy, even though it's really great. Um, coming from independent makers and fans, let's talk about uh, some TCU Toys stuff. The TCU Toys Egon three and three quarters inch figure will be uh, reaching the end of its pre-order status on the 30th, which is just three days away from the release of the podcast. Uh, and at that time, the only way to be able to get the Egon three and three quarter inch figure they've putting out, they're putting out will be to order an entire set of figures, which by my view, you should do anyway. Uh, but if for some reason you're looking to pick up the individual figure on card, be sure you act by getting in touch with Tom Henry of the containment unit at TCU underscore toys on Instagram. Um, that's going to be your last opportunity to get Egon alone is again on the 30th. So um, I would act if you want to grab him. I believe the cost on that is 60 to $65, but I can't remember off the top of my head right now. So uh, way to go, Jim. Be prepared. <laughs> but you can find out more information at TCU Toys on Instagram. Uh, let's also talk for a second about Phantasm Toys, who just never stop making amazing things. Hot off the tails of their recent tease of a Gozer-inspired figure and Terror Dogs, uh, they are. They also had put out the Spook Chasers mini-ghosts that were making waves, and now Phantasm has announced a brand new line of minifigures called Fanplasms. And let me be very real. This is like a name for something that I have to be in love with because I have a podcast called Extraplasm. Um, I, I almost would have suggested that Fanplasms could have been the name for a series of minifigures for crazed fans of Extraplasm, but I digress. Um, anyway, these new figures are essentially Tony and Brendan of Phantasm spin on the original Kenner Real Ghostbusters mini-ghosts that were packed in cans of ectoplasm slime containers way back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, so if you recall, you would get a can of ectoplasm, you'd open it up and you'd like dump it out and it would go slurp, and when you did you'd find a little minifigure inside. So um, if you kind of think about the last thing we did for Afterlife, those ghost gusher things had the same kind of concept. You would get a ghost gusher, there was slime, and there was a different minifigure inside the gusher. Uh, but the first of the four waves of these figures that Phantasm is going to produce are out now. And they're $40 for a four-pack of minifigures if you're good at math and you've already figured out that's $10 a figure and there's an expected run of 16 figures total because there's going to be four waves of four figures. Uh, so uh, this is something I'm definitely going to like be looking at because I think that it's cool. I always love to support Phantasm stuff um, and I think that it would be I just think it's kind of a neat idea. What I really want now is for somebody to do repro slime. Are we listening, everyone? Who out there can make some slime? Somebody, either Phantasm do it, or like, I don't know, somebody partner with them and do it. Like, who's going to be the slime person who comes in and like just runs the fan slime game? I'm, I'm calling for it. Somebody, step up, because um, we need cans of slime, uh, especially if we're not going to get them <laughs> from Hasbro. <laughs> if we do, they might be weird cans of marshmallow goop that everyone regrets. Um, okay, so let's move out of merch for a few moments and talk about some uh, fan efforts and uh, fundraising. On, on our last few episodes, we've been talking about the Buffalo Ghostbusters efforts to raise funds for Hook and Ladder 8. And you may recall that Dan Lyberg was a guest on the show of several episodes back uh, talking about what would be happening on that day. Um, I'm thrilled to uh, be able to tell you that the Buffalo Ghostbusters raised almost $8,000 to benefit the firefighters at Hook and Ladder 8 in their efforts to obtain a family transport van for the firehouse. Uh, so this is a bit shy of their $10,000 goal. So 
Um, you know, but there's still some fundraising that could be done to help out with that. But it certainly marks over $25,000 raised, like since Buffalo first began a drive to raise $1,000 for a new Ghostbusters sign spontaneously, like three years ago. Uh, and it was very much a like, let's try and do this. And it's grown into this much larger thing. that's so amazing. Uh, so it's no small feat. And I just want to say uh, good job to them uh, and especially to the NYC Ghostbusters as well, who I know worked particularly hard on the Ghostbusters Day event at the firehouse on setting up a walking tour, et cetera. And to everybody who was at that event, everybody who came out, brought a car, uh, you know, or just came out and supported it and donated some money or bought autographs or participated in a raffle like good work, everybody. Um, I wanted, to, like I said last episode, like I want us to find more ways that we can keep being charitable and keep this kind of, uh, you know, community effort going beyond individual franchises where we work together, because I think there's a lot of benefit to be reaped by doing that and some really great causes when we can pull together and do stuff. And by no means is that like negative about what individual franchises do, like what individual franchises do is super important. But I think, you know, efforts like this, efforts like the Starlight Foundation drive that have happened have really showed like what can happen when the fan community comes together uh, and begins to work on efforts. So um, hopefully we'll see more of that as we kind of head out towards the next movie and as we head into the the peak of the summer and convention season and Halloween and whatnot. Um, If there's something you're working on, if you have a some sort of event that you're doing for charity and fundraising, by all means, reach out to me. You should know if you don't already that you can. Reach me at Extraplasm on Instagram and Twitter or extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com. And the final thing I want to talk about here is not so much fundraising as much as just a thing I want to do that a franchise is doing or not even a franchise, but a fan is doing. Um, One of the staple attendees at the firehouse um, each year and who's sort of a staple in the New York area ghost busting community at this point is Ecto-1NJ. And if you're not familiar with what that is, Ecto-1NJ is a faithful 1959 Cadillac recreation of the Ecto-1 as it appeared in the 1984 movie. Uh, And it was indeed the most screen accurate Ecto in attendance at the Ghostbusters Day event at Hook and Ladder 8. Uh, Now the vehicle's owners have announced through their social media, Ecto-1 underscore NJ on Instagram, that they'll be hosting ghost tours uh, and will be available for hire through September and October for rides through New York City to visit the sites of the city as well as the most paranormally associated places with Ghostbusters. Um, to me, this is like an incredibly cool way to experience New York City in the back of a like 1959 Cadillac that is the Ghostbusters car, you know, potentially wearing a flight suit uh, and seeing all of the places in the movie, driving past them while people look at you and go, what is going on? <laughs> so uh, this is something that if I lived in New York, I would totally do. I would like take them up on the offer to do this and hire them. I don't know what the rates are that they're going to be charging and what, you know, what dates are going to be available. But if you want to find out more, uh, you can check out Ecto one underscore NJ on Instagram or email Ecto one NJ at gmail.com. My advice on this don't snooze. Like this is something that uh, people will book and figure out how to do. And if you wait until like September, cause you decide now is the time to book it, it may be too late for you. So Um, keep that in mind. That's something you may want to do before you can. Um, and that about wraps up our headlines for this week. So let's go now to my conversation with Matt Sanders and Tom Henry of the containment unit, where we chat about their recent trip, visiting nine different members of the Ghostbusters cast and crew family in a matter of days while securing hundreds of autographs for fellow fans. Joining me on Extraplasm Podcast, two gentlemen who I had the recent joy of getting to see in person, the folks from the containment unit, 
Tom Henry, Not Hardy, and Matt Sanders. Uh, how are you both doing? Doing great. Doing great, man. Glad I have to be here. Silence. Well, your name was first, Tom. I was waiting for <laughs> no. you. Hey, I was letting you go first. All right. The worst, second, the best. That's the that's the way it, it goes. All right. Is this the first time we've all been like on a podcast mic together? That like I'm thinking about this. You've both been on the show individually, mm-hmm. but did we didn't do this like the three of us together? Did we? No, this is the no. first. There in we fact, go. I think this so, is only the second time that someone's been able to get Tom and I in the same place at one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there I is think, some theory. Yeah, you know that you're like Clark Kent. One of you, like you're not. You're, you are the same person. So this confirms that you're not. Like, no, you, you are uh, so last time Tom was on your show, he wasn't kidding. We hate each other. So really, yeah. the least that we have to interact, <laughs> the better. Yeah. yeah, there's a reason we live on opposite coasts. So. <laughs> oh, is that, did you used to live together and you hated each other so much that you had to get in your ectos and drive in opposite directions from a center point? And <laughs> well, we both, we both made a conscious effort to live as far away from each other as, as physically possible without actually leaving the continent. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. <laughs> Southeast, Northwest. That's how it shook out. Nice. Well, I'm glad to have you both on the show. Uh, And I was glad to see you both, um, you know, recently because we got to meet up at the Frank and Son Collectible Show, which if folks in the Southern California area have never been to, it's a great place to go and spend a lot of your money um, on (laughs) on collectibles and toys and stuff. But, um, But it was very good to meet up with you both. But when I saw you, you were in the middle of what has become dubbed. And I think I might have done this. I think you told me this, that it became the Busters Across California tour because I said that. <laughs> I yeah. just called it that. We so. stole it. That's what we do. With good things, we just take it. <laughs> um, and when I saw you, you had been about halfway through your signings. Um, I think that you had done maybe yeah. not half, maybe maybe about a third, but I don't know about half. But um, you still Wednesday. had to see a few people. Yeah, I think we, it was yeah, Wednesday think, night, so yeah, that was about halfway through. I think you had seen uh, <laughs> Richard Atherton, <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> William Atherton, um, and um, I'm going to someday get an autograph from him now. Like, I regret that I didn't get one before and order one, because if I had, I would have been like, listen, when you see him, just tell him to sign it from Richard. Uh, that would have <laughs> just made my day. But um, I know you were going off to see Richard Edlund the following day. So who, in the end, like, who did, who are all the folks that you saw in the span of, like, three days <laughs> oh geez uh william atherton that was on day one yeah day you got two to see, you got to see him i did not oh uh, yeah matt matt's flight got delayed um uh, this guy no this guy over here yeah he has the worst travel i'm like pointing to him like you can see me but he's got the worst travel luck probably <laughs> of anyone uh so atherton was day one day two at, let's see that was wednesday yeah. Okay. That, that was just day two when we saw you. So that was uh, Steve Johnson. We yeah. saw Steve right before we came to you. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Um, Thursday was Richard uh, Richard Edlund, Hank Mayo, uh, Robin Shelby, mm-hmm. uh, Stuart Ziff, Mark Brian Wilson, uh, and then Friday, Camilla Henneman, John Bruno. And then you, then you had the last one without me as well. The bookends yeah, without me. The bookends. And then Mark Siegel. <laughs> so we started with the best and we ended with the next best. Uh, because Matt wasn't there, basically, is, is the point. <laughs> it was the most chill. Now, to, to be clear, while we did see all these people, we, we did not do a signing with Stuart Ziff. 
So, correct. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Stuart, he's doing the. You guys went to the auction. You saw the preview. I saw this on your social media feeds. You and JD. Yes, I so did. Um, we we connected with Stuart because we interviewed him about all of those items that he had at the auction. The prop store auction, yeah, the prop that, store that's auction, happening. Yeah. Like, yeah, that is like literally happening this week. I think by the end of the week, all that stuff will be sold to people who have a lot more money than I do. But um, but I mean, he had that's his his collection included like the terror dog head that's on in the auction. I think uh, that the eye has been removed from, which is so weird to me that like they built an entire terror dog mm-hmm. head just so they and like painted it, sculpted it to match all the other ones. And then they were like, OK, now we're going to rip its eye out, put a light bulb behind it right. and put it inside of a co- fake concrete statue. And so um, that was there. Like there was that mechanically stretched prototype um, stay puffed head that they had there. Um, but I think you guys, I think you had a photo where you were standing next to the smiling stay puffed head that he had, that I think is also in the auction, but is not, was not on display at the exhibition. So, so we did see a stay puffed head, but that was in Richard Edlund's office. Oh, well then people, they just must have a whole collection of that. Just passing them around now. Yeah. There's these, all these leftover stay puffed heads. They were like, Hey, what do we do with the 50 extra heads we have? Like everybody gets to take one home. It's you a know, souvenir. It's, it's funny too, because <laughs> I don't even, I'm going to say it. I don't even care. Cause some people are like, Oh yeah, they, they were telling you just take it, take it. And then some people are like, they didn't say that at all. <laughs> you stole that. So there's a lot of different uh, theories on how the stuff got out there. But yeah, a lot of people kept a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that seems kind of apparent. But I think that that's what's kind of funny about these like prop store auctions and stuff. And, you know, being at one of those is that how much of it there is like from a private collection that someone yeah. went home with. <laughs> and what's 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 totally crazy is that uh, like prop store, they, they pick and choose too. Uh, Stuart still has items that they didn't even take. There's one that Matt is going to try to obtain. <laughs> I don't know what I'll do with it. It's so big and impractical, but we'll see. What What, what is the item? We can talk about it right now. No, maybe not. Yeah, yeah I don't see why not. So you'll see behind the scenes photos of where they're working with the dream ghost. Yeah. And they had to build, and Stuart and Mark Brian Wilson talked about it on the interview with us, how they had to mold her body so that she had this, um, uh, just the harness to lay in. And, and as she floated, he still has that in his attic. So he still has the <laughs> body mold for the dream ghost in his office. Or in his <laughs> attic. So at some point, I'll have to make a play. That's so weird. Oh, it's um, bizarre. <laughs> it just makes you wonder, though, like what else exists out there in people's mm-hmm. attics? Well, that was probably one of the most like mind blowing moments is we're literally walking through Stuart's home and Stuart, his expertise has always been mechanical type things. And um, so he's showing us all these different mechanical things like in, in one of his rooms. He's got this uh, towel bar that just comes down on a switch. And so you can hang your towels and, and then it just goes back up. And so he's got all these things all around his house. It's like a, like, it's almost like, um, the guy from, uh, like I would imagine Rick Moranis and honey, I shrunk the kids kind of like his workshop. I was, I was uh, thinking that it's like the good, the good version of Mr. Peltzer from gremlins. Yeah. I mean, something like that. And so, uh, 
He opens up a drawer, and in the drawer is Admiral Akbar's, Akbar's eyeball from Star Wars. <laughs> so, like, this guy just has all this incredible things <laughs> laying around his home. It's pretty amazing. That wasn't the only thing either in that drawer. It was Akbar's eye. Uh, he had, well, Rigi's like eye socket, but a terror dog claw that was sculpted by and, and cast and all that by Mark Brian Wilson, who was standing next to us at the time. <laughs> and then like a little bit of Johnny Five. Yeah, like one of that's the, crazy. Like a shoulder or something. It was some Johnny Five bit. <laughs> that's, um. I'll say, I have a, a deep affinity for Johnny Five. I don't know what it is. Like that movie, people can say has aged badly in terms of the way it was produced and who was acting in which parts and all kinds of things. But when I saw Johnny five at the Sony museum, like I was like, I might be more excited about this than the number of proton packs that I'm, <laughs> that I've interacted with the Sony lot because it's Johnny five. So yeah, that's awesome though. Um, I mean, the number of folks that you got to interact with is, is, is great. And I think that you've had a few podcast episodes that have come out. I think you had one with Mark Brian Wilson, right. Uh, that came out recently. You had one with Stuart Ziff as well, right? Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, they were together. Yeah, yeah and if you, uh, so. if you want more information on these wonderful items being auctioned, you're welcome to check out the Continuum podcast episode with Stuart Ziff, where he talks about them in great detail, tells stories about how they work, and uh, it's pretty good. Wow, pretty that was good a great plug, Tom. Shameless. Um, that's hey. Do you? It's nothing is shameless when you come on this podcast because half the time what I'm doing and you know, let's talk about fan merch news. It's like the containment unit is doing X. They're awesome. Give them your money. I get good stuff, which brings me to an important question. The containment unit as an entity now is like come from being facebook group that was like we collect autographs to now like organizing entire trips to get like nine signings done or something in one trip um while also you've got like the tcu toys thing going on right like with uh the action figures that are happening so when are you rebranding to the containment unit props collectibles and toys (laughs) i think uh or autographs, collectibles, and toys. You can have, like... I, yeah. yeah. I think we kind of landed on, like, TC... Like, the containment unit is kind of, like, our brand, right? Like, yeah. Like, it's a catch-all. You know, the ghost, the, the autographs is. is the main piece of it. I just, you know, spun that off into toys. Uh, it, it even has, like, an alternate... Like, Tom creates unmade toys. TCU toys, you know? That was kind of, like, the alternate. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't want to use the ghost trap. But, uh, yeah, no, the, the signing trips are, are kind of by necessity now. Um, you know, during the pandemic, that's what really when we started doing signings was was 20 and right. 21. And I lived in San Diego, so I could easily drive up that way and get signings and it was easy. Um, but then after that, you know, once travel became a thing again, uh, toward the end of 20, 21, I can't remember, but uh, Matt and I went out and got Ernie Hudson and we kind of decided like, you know, if our schedules line up, we want to do them together. It's a lot easier to do a signing with two people than it is with one. You know, I the, the right. last one that I did by myself was Finn Wolfhard. And that was our biggest signing and flew to LA and it was it was hell on earth. Um, so, yeah, it, it just makes sense. You know, we do this once or twice a year for a week and Matt and I go and hang out and uh, hobnob and, uh, you know, 
and then we take a break. You know, I'm still, I mean, we got back, what, two weeks ago, Matt? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I still haven't even shipped more than a handful of items because I've been busy with stuff since I got back. So, sure. you know, uh, it's more about, I think, ca- creating an event for us. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Does that make sense, Matt? Oh, I, I mean, th- you want to add on to yeah. that? No, I, I think, too, like, it's funny because uh, I think one of the reasons why, in all honesty, Tom and I get along so well is that we share a lot of the same stresses and anxieties. Uh, and so there is a degree to which misery loves company. And there are times where Tom has to talk me down. I'm talking Tom <laughs> down. And because some like the signings, like I think when we talk about signings and hanging out with these celebrities, like there's and cast and crew that there's this glorification of what it's really like. It is stressful, man. You are in the moment. Oh, I'm sure. Like yeah, you, yeah. if you think that, uh, Tom was sitting there with William Atherton and just shooting the breeze with him the entire time. You're dead wrong. Like it's, I think it was 20 minutes of just moving along no talking, just getting things done and making sure everything's, everything gets signed. It's stressful. Yeah. And look, and and like William Atherton is a really good example. Uh, The signing took 23 minutes. I timed it. I was there two hours in advance. Uh, timed it. <laughs> yeah, I was just curious. Um, like Matt said, it was very much, um, you know, like business. And he, he did tell us like one story right after. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of business. It's not nice. Yeah. It wasn't no, it's not, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just, sure. yeah, you know, yeah. and also when we're, you know, it, here's the thing that we all have to, we all have to put out there on Front Street. We're talking about a movie that is almost 40 years old. So these folks are yeah. in their 70s, uh, 60s at best. And uh, you don't want to talk to them when they're trying to, you know, uh, write a quote or or something, you know, because you're distracting them and, and you're already generally in a sometimes a public space or at least a loud space, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. So you kind of want them to do their thing because there's been times where, you know, we'll be asking a question as a fan and we'll be like, oh, this and then they get lost and they're like, wait, where was I? And they have to jump back to it, you know, so you just kind of want to get through that. And like Matt said, until the last item is signed, you know, we're not. Uh, necessarily having a great time because <laughs> we want to make sure we don't miss anything because <laughs> right. we're dealing with lots of stuff. Well, that's like, I thought it was kind of amusing that, you know, you were telling me we were going to get together. We were trying to schedule that and you were like, we're going to come from like, you know, uh, from a one location where we're meeting Steve Johnson and we're going to come down there and meet up with you afterwards. And I looked at like the timeline you were looking at and I was like, how fast can you, can you be working like to have yeah. Steve sign through things, you know? But I mean, it is, it's kind of like you're in and out to like, Hey, we're here, we'll get something done and then we're going to go. And if you get to build a relationship along the way, I guess that's cool too. But like, you know, yeah. Um, and the yeah. part about LA, you know, this, but the traffic is terrible. So <laughs> I, I told, I think, I think where this is actually accurate though, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but like we spent about between Tuesday and, uh, Saturday morning, about three hours at our Airbnb when we weren't sleeping like before 11 p.m which is pretty much when we got home every night uh yeah so all that other time it's like yeah we only had nine signings spread out over five or six days but the time between it's like oh well now we have three hours to get to somebody but it takes an hour (laughs) but it's actually gonna take two hours and then you know so get stressful you don't want to be late you don't want to leave uh you know keep richard edland waiting uh for sure (laughs) so that was a very real stress yeah so you set yourself up for like a, a Los Angeles cannonball run because you're kind of just like <laughs> you've got to get everywhere you've got to get. And then you sort of appreciate why you listen to podcasts where they're like people will talk about not like, oh, I didn't want to drive across town. 
would have been so <laughs> difficult to get from like Hollywood to Santa Monica. And you're like, why do these people care? Like, this is it's like 15, 20 miles. What's the problem? That's but it's L.A. and it's crazy. But um, but I thought it was really cool that you managed to get that much done. And I thought that I found it fascinating that you were like going through and just kind of burning through them real quick. Like, hey, we got a few days to get them done. And I think like it makes sense. Like what you're saying makes a lot of sense to like book a whole bunch of stuff come out like make one trip and then hey we've got oh, we basically like got a lot done all in one you know go mm-hmm. and it's kind of like weird you're like the hollywood show on wheels yeah um, it's almost like that i was gonna <laughs> say it's it's almost turned into like a convention mentality for us because there's not really a way uh, you know you gotta remember like the containment unit and ghostbusters specifically is not the most highly collected in the autograph world you know that that's marvel sure, or yeah. star wars or whatever so it really doesn't make sense for us to travel for like a one-off. But if that one-off was like that, and I'm not announcing anything by any means, but like say Sigourney Weaver went to sign, you know, that would make sense, right? For, you know, a one-off. But, you know, we, we've got to make it work for us and make it work for the signers and make it work for, you know, our customers too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> no, that makes sense. And I think that it was really fascinating to kind of hear how, you know, this goes down a bit of like you're, you're meeting up with folks in a public place and, you know, it's just like, here we go. Let's do this. We're at a, a coffee bean and tea leaf or something. And <laughs> now it's time to do autographs. And so I, I started thinking about this and I didn't ask you about this when we were together. Um, did you do mail in stuff for this trip? Did you let people mail you stuff? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So how much stuff did you have? Because I didn't think about this till after I left. Like I saw you at Frankenstein and I was driving home and I was like, yeah. how much stuff did they have to bring? with them on the trip to get signed in addition to, Hey, we have like eight by tens and whatever, but like how much stuff did you have to bring along with you? It's probably around 500 pieces. I would say, oh right. Would you say that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, and fortunately signatures, yeah. um, there, there weren't many odd items. Um, yeah. you know, Tom had a million posters and, we had a lot of the, these ghost projects that we're working on, uh, but we only had like one ecto, I think, uh, a couple yeah. figures. Like, so it was pretty manageable from that standpoint. But I mean, Tom's got a system; yeah. and he's got it down pretty do. much to a science. But yeah, but but also like, uh, you know, I'm getting to that age where convenience is important. So you know, we shut down certain things like. I had mm-hmm. somebody, when we were doing the Finn Wolfhard signing, the guy said, uh, I'm going to send you a poster. And it arrived a few days beforehand. And it was one of those giant movie theater banners that's probably like six feet or seven feet long or tall by, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't even take this on an airplane. It's not getting signed. You know? Right. Uh, yeah. So, it, yeah, there's a lot to keep track of. And that's really where the stress is because, you know, you, you organize it as well as you can in advance. But the end of the day, it's like you're seeing this person here, you're seeing this person here, and then you got multiple on a day, and it's just keeping it all kind of organized is is the part that slowly drives us mad. So, how much like check luggage do you end up having to bring all this stuff? Uh, so I checked, so a giant hard case roller, but you know, suitcase roller suitcase. Um, yeah. So that, and then my carry on, also pretty much full of stuff, and then the tube, a poster tube, which is like the worst <laughs> thing to take on a plane ever. Uh, what is like going through security like with a carry on full of Ghostbusters stuff? It's just... not. It's not <laughs> fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. <clears throat> it was a lot easier when you could drive places, I'll tell you. Yeah, I imagine. Um, but no, I, I'd say this because it's I just didn't think about it. I was like, I, I know that you let people send in stuff like action figures and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, I, I can't. I'm pretty sure you let people do that for this signing. Yeah. And I was driving home in my car and I was like, he had to have like a crate of stuff like just, mm-hmm. you know, delivered by airmail or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And Matt talked yeah. about talking each other down like. You know, Matt was he was off the grid for like a week and we talked for the first time. And immediately when the FaceTime turned on, I was like, I'm going to I'm going to strangle this person. Like I got an email. So we I got back <laughs> Saturday night at 11 p.m. And I got an email before Monday asking when their item was going to ship. And <laughs> is this a, is this an R-rated podcast? <laughs> uh, it's so far it's me yeah. you know it's safe it's us, Tom. yeah yeah uh, the I'll running joke it. is that i i just keep forgetting to click on the explicit <laughs> box um so matt had to talk me down we'll just we'll just leave it at that <laughs> someone almost got banned <laughs> oh yeah and that person it turns out is gonna be so you listen to the podcast and, and that like, person's <gasps> name craig goldberg <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> no, no. This is I think you're trying to take him up on his offer because I don't know if you know this, but I was I was told this I have. And this is like nothing against, uh, you know, anybody at Yes, Have Some or anything, but I have not been keeping up with their toy anxiety show mm. on Tuesday nights uh, in part because I've been collecting toys less, but in part because I also have had a thing to do on Tuesday nights. And so I haven't seen it. But apparently a few weeks ago, they suggested that what they needed like, because the toy YouTube community always has some sort of beef going on between YouTubers who make review toys or whatever. So I guess they were suggesting that they needed podcast beef, um, mm. that they they were calling for it. And somebody messaged me and said, hey, are you going to like beef with yes, have some because they're looking for it? And I was like, no, but you can. <laughs> That's the containment unit's job now. There you go. <laughs> it's the yes, have some they, podcast the, the crossroad guys are kind of back after it. So I'll just let them take that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Um, well, I have to say, like, I was very impressed with uh, how you came out here and kind of worked this all together. Um, oh, thanks, buddy. Do you have do you have um, Oh, you're welcome. Are you are you thinking like, do you have more podcasts that are going to be coming out from this trip? Um, did you get more interviews done and stuff that you want to tease or anything that you have coming up? Not that I'm like, hey, we're done talking, but I just, <laughs> this is one of those things. I'm like, dude, here's your plugs. It's been 24 <laughs> minutes. You're we're, done. We're you're finished. Really quick. No, that was Even not the hook. hook. I'm, oh, not at all. This is more. Of the, I want to know. I don't. I don't want to like blow your water. I mean, like, tell me who's coming on your podcast now. Uh, but you know. Uh, so the here's like. Here's the tough thing about going away and having these signings is that every time we meet with people, and so for example, we're sitting with Robin Shelby and we're showing her the Ghostbusters 2 Slimer project. Inevitably, it always comes up with, oh, you should ask so-and-so to sign this too. So it's like, ah, great. Now it just, every time (laughs) it's like, it's it's a blessing and a curse because it's like, okay, I thought we were done. Oh, but there's someone else. And uh, so we're always tracking down. And so we, we did leave with a few leads on some other people for some of the projects. Uh, those we will uh, have interviews with them when the time comes. Nice. Um, but typically at these things, we don't shoot interviews so much. Yeah. Um, we just don't have the time for it. 
But uh, I think you can expect to see just from some of the names we've talked about with past signings and some of the ones coming up, we'll have some interviews from some of the original Ghostbusters cast and crew that people can look forward to. But I don't think anything official to announce yet. That's fair. I just, I was curious. I found this fascinating because you're out here doing the autographs, right? And then you get back. And the next thing I know, I'm like, what is this? Like you, you also <laughs> did podcasting while you were like, what? How did you get all this done? I don't understand. Did you put them in the car with you and say, hey, I got to drive from this location oh. to that location? Could you just ride with me and we'll podcast on the way? That would be no great idea, actually. <laughs> I don't know about the audio quality on that podcast. That would yeah, have been it, interesting. It, but like, I, I know we talked about doing one. Uh, it's just been a matter of scheduling uh, yeah. since we got back. And then there's a couple others that we want, we want to do as well. You know, people we signed with but never had an opportunity to chat with just because we were too busy. Um, you know, at the moment we're both really busy for different reasons. So as soon as we can, that's the problem with the podcast. It's not necessarily, um, lack of desire, but it's sure. lack of content. Number one, because we, we do signings less frequently. Uh, number two, Wait, lack you, of time. You mean it's, you know, you're not selling as hard to create content for a podcast that's about <laughs> Ghostbusters on a regular basis if it's not like something happened every week or something, are you? Because that's yeah, not see, a thing. Come on. What we should just do is just like we should have the extraplasm, uh, Matt and Tom's corner, and then uh, we bring on <laughs> like, uh, you know, Steve Johnson. And yeah, there we go. Hey, I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to that. But you, <laughs> Steve is a great I'm conversation. Sure. <laughs> Here, I'll tell you this. My uh, my biggest takeaway, and I was telling Matt this the other day from that whole trip. My biggest takeaway is that Steve Johnson should have a podcast, and he does not. And he should. He really should. You want know, to co-host? There you go, Steve Johnson, Extraplasm with Jim and Steve. <laughs> That might be a very different podcast than the current podcast. You I have think. to hit the explicit button. You have to make sure yeah. you get that going every week. Yeah. Wouldn't want to forget but. that. <laughs> I think, I, I don't know if I've told you about the story. I think I've told the story on the podcast before, but I'll tell this just really quickly. My contextual, like I didn't get Steve Johnson's autograph at FanFest for some reason. I don't know why. I, I just kind of, I was doing, uh, I didn't really do a lot of like behind the scenes folks from that room full of autographs because I was like, I want to make sure I get actors. I, so I got like, you know, the folks who were inside the suits and I got, you know, it was like, that was my thing. My priority was get Robin Shelby, get, you know, Billy Bryan, get these folks who I like have never seen before and who are who acted, but I didn't get Steve Johnson's autograph for whatever reason, but I was standing in line with, for Robin Shelby's and the guy in front of me, like ended up in a conversation with Robin Shelby where he was just like, I just had the weirdest conversation with Steve Johnson. He offered to like autograph my stuff if he, if I let him punch me in the face. <laughs> and I was like, what? And so that's my understanding. That is like literally my contextual understanding of Steve Johnson is apparently if you let him punch you in the face, um, <laughs> you can have an autograph. I don't. <laughs> so I just need to know how many punches did you take? Um, <laughs> you know, Steve, Steve pulled those punches with us, man. Uh, you know, we, how about this? We didn't, we didn't throw any punches, but we knocked a few back. There you go. <laughs> nice. Um, they were Hawaiian punches. Mm -hmm. They were. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I, I do regret that choice uh, of not having Steve Johnson sign my marshmallow man, which, you know, as you talk about projects that only get bigger and that you could add more people to as <clears> more <throat> people do signings. I'm like, Oh, I really want to send my Funko pop with, 
14 signatures on it, but I don't because then I'm going to be terrified that it'll get lost. And Here's a no so context tease for you, Jim, then, yeah. that, that will help you. And this is uh, also a tease for Matt. And the reason it's a tease is because I haven't had a chance to tell Matt this yet. But uh, that thing we discussed is moving forward. So I think you'll have another opportunity, Jim. Ooh. I'm... Which thing? No, the thing that Matt and I discussed. You don't know this, Jim. Oh. That's the thing. There's a secret oh, thing. Okay. There's a secret oh. thing in the works. Yes. And gotcha. Uh, the secret thing. So yeah. So what you're saying is you just announced that there's uh that FanFest two is happening and it's being oh, organized man. by the containment unit. Nope. Dude, you gave that job to Dan. You yeah. gave that uh, Dan yeah. Liber. Yeah. You gave You crowned the king. <laughs> Yeah, dude, we had we had I'm gonna say, uh, Proton Con. That's all I'm gonna say. We had ideas, man, and it was gonna be something really <laughs> cool. <laughs> but well, you could probably still do it. No, nope, you know, we're out. Um, that's it. You're done. <laughs> no <it>. more. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> we're too old and tired. I, I hate. I'll say this. I think it's. I think it's great that Buffalo organized what they did and all the groups that came together in New York. Um, but I keep saying that there needs to be, and I don't. I don't know how to say do this, so I'm just going to throw this out there to folks that like there needs to be some sort of West Coast gathering of Ghostbusters folks that like happens right around from my perspective, like WonderCon. Like that's like to me, like the perfect time to do it, because you could be like, come to WonderCon, come to Anaheim. Like you could meet up with probably animation and folks from like the real Ghostbusters and stuff. And then you could go to Disney. Like and you can basically make it like a, a week of coming out here and hitting up like all the stuff and. Uh, do it over a spring break and do it around WonderCon. So I can't plan that. I don't have the resources to organize that. There's my idea. Um, there you go. I, I think you're on to something, but I think you've got to move it from WonderCon to Monsterpalooza. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that could also work. Yeah. But yeah. My only we thought came, was that Monsterpalooza is smaller, but yeah. Well, we came really close to... Well, here's the thing. A lot of the boss film veterans they go to monster palooza often gotcha. and uh as that show there in pasadena yeah as fans and that show there in pasadena is pretty centrally located and we yeah. we really almost had a booth there and doing signings at, oh, nice. the, at the show like it was very close but unfortunately timing just didn't work out so um yeah yeah you know that we've we've thought about it but you know we're busy. So, yeah, if anybody out there uh, listening to Extraplasm wants to throw a Ghostbusters event, and you need somebody, some people who can get guests, yeah, we can help you. But um, we'll run the autograph hall. Yeah, happy we to do don't. It. We just <laughs> we'll let you run the rest. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's that's your offer. Is hey, you run the entire event, um, <laughs> except for the autograph. Like, so you do all the logistics. We'll be happy to come do all the autographs. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, now I'm like, maybe I should go do that. Well, um, FanFest could have used somebody doing something like that. Because yeah, it was kind first of a train thought, wreck. I started this by saying, I need to, somebody else to go out there and do that because I don't have the resources or know how to do this. But maybe that's not a thing you really need to do. Like, you or need to have in order to run <laughs> FanFest. You need resources. You, you might not need um, adequate planning. That might, might, not, might not be a thing. And that's not a shot. Of course, that's I'm, I'm really digging at Wizard World, just so we're clear. If anybody's like, are you now throwing beef at Ghost Core for your podcast beef? No, I'm I'm <laughs> but Wizard World. Yes. <laughs> Happily. Um, from your trip out here, I mean, you can answer this separately if you don't have the same answer. What's like your like biggest like uh, 
you know, wow moment or like your biggest kind of like surprise moment or like the happiest moment of your trip where you're like, I can't believe this is happening. Um, Cause there's gotta be something like you were very stoked. I know to go see Richard Edlund and very, um, you know, what, yeah. what, but kind of like anticipating that pretty strongly. So I'll, I'll, I'm curious I'll go, to know. I'll go off the Edlund thing. So I think I know what Tom's going to say, probably because we, I mean, I think we share them all, but like going to see Richard Edlund in his office was amazing. And the fact that we, you know, were able to spend some time with someone of his caliber and, Someone who's worked on so many movies that we all love is just incredible by itself. But then you walk in and he's got cameras from every decade. He's got like his collection. He collects movie cameras. And then you go a little bit further and there's the stop motion terror dog skeleton that they use. There's two of them. He has still has one of them. Uh, the other one, uh, he he knows where it is, too, uh, because it's also kind of his that he's letting someone hold on to. So, uh, like, but these are just sitting there. It's just yeah, in, in amazing. And then after the signing, uh, Richard was very kind, and he gave us a tour. And, um, you know, we go into his office, and right behind his desk, was it two out of three, Tom, of his Academy Awards just sitting there? Because oh, yeah. the other one's on loan at the Academy <laughs> museum um <laughs> and then he there goes on room it's just a wall of that so that yeah. makes sense <laughs> and then uh and we found it by the way we found the third one and uh, awesome. it's still there but uh, then he t- then he takes us back and he's showing us how all these cameras operate and, t- and showing us that you know this one was used for gone to film gone with the wind and this one was filmed and used for this film and this film and this is how it works we're getting this full like tutorial of how cameras and, and movies are being shot. And it was kind of a pinch myself moment that Richard freaking Edlund is showing <laughs> us how movies are filmed and giving us demonstrations of how cameras work like right. on Ghostbusters day to top it all off. <laughs> like that's how we spent Ghostbusters day. Right. Talk about pinch yeah. myself, man. That was cool. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. That's yeah. pretty outstanding. And then right after that, we went to um, Stuart Ziff's house. And uh, Stuart Ziff was the ghost shop supervisor for the original film. And we met with Mark Wilson, uh, who is a friend of ours. So that was already cool because we hadn't seen Mark in about a year and we were hanging out with him. And then we go to Stuart's house and we had had talked with Stuart, but never met him. And he he graciously invited us into his home. And uh, just walking around his house, as we mentioned, like he's a bit of a inventor and and just his house is amazing it's an artist's home but as we're walking through you know like like matt said like he puts uh admiral akbar's eye into our hands or, or a terror dog claw and it's just very casual it's like oh yeah here this is Ak- admiral akbar's eye it looks like a paperweight but to us like I, I i got emotional i was like i can't believe i'm looking at this like it's crazy and then i i for me i think the highlight like the Richard Edlin thing was mind blowing because I didn't see that coming. But after he shows us all this stuff, like Stuart made us lunch, but it wasn't just lunch. When they were pro- uh, producing Ghostbusters in 1983, when they were working on all the ghosts and stuff, there was a deadline. You know, that movie barely came out. It wasn't even released. It escaped. And right. on the weekends, they were working overtime and they had a chili cook off and Stuart won. And he made us the same chili that won the Boss Film Chili <laughs> Cook Off 40 years ago. 
And so we're sitting at his, his house. He made us chili. He made us ice cream. Didn't serve us. Made us ice cream. Wow. And it was, and again, this is on Ghostbusters Day. And it was after the Richard Edlund thing. And it wasn't even the end of the day. And it was just so, like, how the hell did we get here mm. kind of moment. And it was, and, and so, Stuart hasn't been doing the fan thing in over 20 years because he had a bad right. experience. He hadn't signed an autograph since 2001. And not he didn't sign for us. I'm not saying he did, but like, to be welcomed into his house after that, it was just, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, brain brain melting. Yeah, I mean, and if anything, like what it really means is that Ernie Hudson's going to have to raise his avocado toast game because <laughs> uh, yeah. now you're getting homemade ice cream and chili. I mean, avocado That's toast true. was one thing, but you know, <laughs> we're now, spoiled now. Somebody, you're going to have to get some five course meals that have been hand prepared by a list celebrities. Dan Aykroyd's <laughs> going to have to actually distill vodka in front of you, like table side. Um, yeah, I <laughs> these stories always blow my mind because it's the part where you just go like, so we went to their house and I'm like, like, we went to their house. Like, what just what? Like, and that's something I find so fascinating. It's so funny because it's just like there are certain things where you'll go and meet people out, you know, like, oh, we're going to meet them out of the coffee shop or meet them at a hotel or wherever you're going to meet them. Or Carl's Jr. Quickly. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, wherever you're going to meet them and um, just kind of bang out signings. And then there's yeah. these other instances where you go and engage folks who tend to, you know, um, who you develop a longer relationship with and start to kind of like get to know a little. It's weird. Uh, but it does make me wonder, like. How many times, like, do you think that Richard, and this is like not put down, it's just kind of weird to think about. How many times do you think Richard Edlund or like Stuart Ziff has done that where somebody's come in their house and they're like, now I'm going to do it here and hand them something and then watch their head just, their head explode. Like, <laughs> at least once. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> you know, but I, what, what's weird though for us, it's not weird for these folks. Like, they, it's not a big deal to them that right. they worked on this movie you know it's just like oh yeah i worked on that you know 40 years ago it's sure. just a movie to them it's just a job it's like our jobs you know and so we're we're like oh my god i can't believe this happened they're like yeah like we showed richard edlin the boss film patch that we made that matt had replicated and it's yeah. almost exact and and matt like offered one to richard edlin he's like oh i got hundreds of those of the original ones and that's like a huge <laughs> deal for us and he's like Meh. we were in you'll appreciate this we were in uh, John Bruno's house and he took us to his archive and he had two of the giant Sakuda Stay Puffs in the box mint and then two smaller <laughs> ones in the box mint and I'm like oh those are worth tons of money he's like how much and I told him he's like eh. you know it's like they don't they don't care <laughs> but to us it's like <laughs> you know it makes our day or whatever yeah. yeah no it is kind of funny to consider that that like for them it's old hat stuff that they did years ago and like represents a sliver of their career like yeah you know. and like so going back to the john bruno thing like we i have uh i purchased it on ebay a little while ago but it's an old visual effects book from ghostbusters that's got the shooting um it's got the storyboards so the mm -hmm. visual effects team uses it to figure out and plan their shots and so I, I i was curious about it and so i asked john a question about it he goes oh um hold on a second and he opens up a closet and inside is every script and like production book for pretty much every <laughs> film he's ever worked on. So he pulls out the Ghostbusters ones and there, cause there's two big binders. And I think if you, uh, prop store auction is selling both of Stuart Ziff's. So it's pretty much the same exact thing. 
and we're just going through it. And it's got his handwritten notes on production, like scheduling. We got to schedule the final this for the terror dog. And we got to do this. We got a Slimer hot dog here. Like just that kind of stuff. Uh, I think the most mind blowing thing. And again, just casually, he takes us to a flat file. And he opens it up and there is this little cutout of Stuart. I don't remember what he was holding. Maybe it was just a stick or it was something, but he's holding it or not Stuart, John. And then it's something he made as they planned out what the uh, neutrono lawn, like what that was going to look like when they were shooting. Okay. And he's, he's just throwing all the different ideas of what that would look like and how it works. And he's given us the back. It was new to me. I, maybe it's old news to everybody else. But he's like, actually, the guns, the wands don't shoot anything. They suck. They pull things. And so that, like, they're, what you're seeing in the stream is it's pulling things towards it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, and I, <laughs> like... But it's stuff that they use to create something that we've all seen and known. And we have apps that right. replicate, like something that's just nothing. But in this flat file is a picture of him that he used to put up against all the different streams to see what the final copy would look like. It's just mind-blowing. It's so cool. As a fan, Tom and I, I don't think our, 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 our mouths were closed the entire time. Our jaws were just <laughs> dropped and shocked. It was crazy. I think that's amazing. Part of what is so valuable about what you're doing at this point to me, at least I think you started out, Hey, let's get autographs. Right. And now what's starting to happen from my perspective is like, you're doing autographs, you're doing interviews for podcasts. You're also like engaging in like these opportunities to like see behind the scenes stuff that you didn't know existed and stuff. And so it's like, in some ways you're starting to transition to like, uh, that, like turning a corner in a way from my mind from like not just autograph collecting, but to historians like there's that there's a, an, a historical element to what you're doing a little bit that I think the podcast is beginning to tease out and these like visits you're getting to have with people that you would never have at a convention. Like you would never have that interaction if like you went to a con and even if you were like, hey, we're going to do signings, we're going to go to this convention and, you know, bring 500 things with us and get a private room to get, like you would meet with somebody, you'd move on. That's it. Right. And so um, I, I don't know. I, I just want to commend you for that, because I think that like even like the I think it was the Jim Fi like interview that was just like yeah. I listened to and was just like, I never really know this much about this guy. Like I just knew mm-hmm. he was a Scolari brother and I knew that he was not the short one. You know, like, and so I didn't, I love the Sclary brothers. I have sourdough starters named after them, but like, I didn't really know much about him or anything. And your podcast is like so revelatory about what that guy's career was and sort of how he came into, you know, um, creature work and performing and stuff largely because he comes on to a Ghostbusters movie and yeah. makes meaningful connections. <clears throat> so, um, I don't know. I just, as much as I'm kind of like throwing a little bit of accolades and gushing on you, like, I think that that those experiences you're having are so important. And as you're working to try and document some of them for the fandom, like there's a lot of value to that. So thank you oh, for doing for sure. it. You know? No, man, like in all seriousness, I think that's the stuff you're right. It started off as autographs and autographs are amazing. I'm way still addicted to them for sure. But I think the things that get us more excited are the interactions that we have where we are capturing stories and capturing uh, the history of certain things. And like uh, Kamala Henneman, to her, it was just mind-blowing that we would even still want to sit down with her and hear her stories. And so that, that's another 
interview that I think you can expect to see from us uh, in the near, in the, sometime in the future. Um, and then we're, you know, with John, like Tom was saying, so these guys, like they're showing us these things that are mind blowing, but for them, it was important enough that they kept it, but they don't know how important it is to us. And so we're able to help like, right. Hey, that is incredible. Like, hold on to it. Don't lose it. We got to preserve right. it. Um, because we want these things to live on way beyond us and way beyond them. And, uh, this film matters to us so much that we don't want it to die. And then it's interesting too to think about like your interactions with, especially some of the folks who might have stuff in their attic that they consider old junk, you know, like your interactions with folks who have maybe been off the fandom grid and stuff and who haven't really done the whole, let me go and go to cons and sort of see the, um, the community of, I don't want to use the word worship because I think it's the wrong word, but mm-hmm. fanaticism in a good way, not in a crazy way. Um, <laughs> you know, well, like the fan love, the appreciation that yeah. people have. I think at that context, if you're, if you're not somebody who goes and engages the fandom on a regular basis, you probably don't understand like how much, you know, like the, the thing that's in your attic is got, has weight for some of those folks, you know? So. Yeah. Jack Johnson is a perfect example of that. He was our first signing. Well, technically we had ernie first but he was like our first private signing like where we reached out to somebody like matt had set up a signing with ernie at a con in florida so that was our technical first thing but you know jack johnson uh we we happened across him because a friend of ours is a big goonies fan and he was working with him and buying some concept art for goonies and then he's like oh by the way he worked on ghostbusters too and it was like okay what did he do and we find out that he painted the fettuccines which nobody ever knew and it's like jack didn't even think about it like he was like, oh yeah, right. I did that thing, and it wasn't very, you know, he didn't like the movie, so he's like, it wasn't very good, and he just spent the rest of his career working with Tim Burton, and we were able to introduce him and and give that name to the Ghostbusters community, and that was like a really big thing, you know. Also, the tie, the missing Stay Puff tie, like you talk about, mm, yeah, the autographs kind of being that not secondary, but like when we saw that Stewart was auctioning that, that was awesome because we had heard it was like the. It was like the finale. It was like a, a plot thread through like seasons one and two of the containment unit that wrapped up in season three because we had heard the tie went missing. <laughs> and then now we found it. It's like, oh, that's where it is. Stuart stole it. You know, <laughs> so it's like <laughs> it's been really, really fascinating. And and there's some stories we haven't gotten to hear and tell. And, and it it makes us only want to work harder. You know, like Kim Herring yeah. didn't want to consent to an interview. And, and unfortunately, she's no longer with us. So we'll never know that right. story. And uh yeah, it's it's something that we want to try to get back to because we haven't been able to do as much and and hopefully fill in some of those gaps in the, the knowledge base. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're doing uh, some pretty amazing work at doing that already. You know, just that's kind of what I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm like being a little bit overly gushy about it, but somebody said to me recently, are you going to start doing lots of interviews with, you know, like people who worked on Ghostbusters? And I was like, why? The containment unit is doing that. <laughs> it's like, that's. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, no, I'm not opposed to that. Of course not. Like, no, no, I'm, I'm not. No, no. I, I only talk to people who like Ghostbusters. I don't want to talk to anybody who had anything to do with making it whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. like, sincerely, I I've recommended people listen to your episodes with these folks because they're really informative and like enlightening. And there's some really great stories that you're getting um, pretty organically. Like it seems just cause like you're getting to, you know, work with these folks and getting to know them and developing those relationships. So um, any like big challenges that you felt you had to like overcome with this big trip, like things that were kind of difficult that you, that you want to talk about or that you want to share with uh, folks that you kind of had to deal with other than traffic. 
So the one that comes to mind for me, because to your point, there's traffic and there's all that, but like just, I, I like to have schedules and I like to have plan A, plan B and all that stuff lined up as much as possible. But just know that things can change on a dime. So it's the night before one of our most, I shouldn't say most important, but one of our bigger signings and a key signer. And they have to try to reschedule. And now it's not just moving around their time, but trying to move around the times of others. And then selfishly, we were yeah. supposed to do something fun. I think it was the Academy Museum, which we mentioned already. And so it's like, uh, it, and so those are the kind of challenges that uh, it just, it happens. Uh, you, you remember that they're people too, and they have appointments and things that come up and, and change. And it always adds a layer of complexion to uh, what, what we're doing. Uh, but yeah. outside of that, like I, I, I'm interested to hear what Tom says, but there wasn't anything like overly str- like here, like another thing I just think of is like the, the times that I've had to go to the bathroom. And for some reason in Los Angeles, <laughs> you Los Angeles, you can't just go to the gas station and use the bathroom. Like you can at most everywhere else in no. the world. You and can. <laughs> so you're just SOL man. And, uh, you're, you're yeah. looking for a Starbucks. Everyone is looking for a Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. So those, you know, those are stresses and they're very real. But, uh, what, what'd you, what were you thinking of Tom? Uh, we, as our group, uh, on Tuesday, you know, we, we took a, a small break from Ghostbusters stuff and, and we decided to, uh, take a journey uh, to Super Mario Land, and it was there was high stress about whether we were going to defeat Koopa Junior. with enough time <laughs> to make it to the signing with Steve Johnson. Uh, that was very critical, and make sure we used the fast pass that we had yes, for, the, for tour. the yeah for the tour for the, yeah the, the tour. So wait, that's all the same day that you then drove all the way to Frankenstein and we met up, right? Because that's mm-hmm. the, you saw Steve. That was our day, yeah. So. We we were at uh, Universal City at seven a.m. I think. And yeah. then what so time I did have... we leave Frank and Son? Nine? Uh, we closed it down pretty much. Yeah, we yeah it was pretty down. much like 830, 830, 845. So like, yeah, and like uh, the other thing, I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan. It's absolutely my number one. But the other franchise that I love, I collect autographs from pretty heavily is Back to the Future. And so uh, every time I go to LA, and, and Tom and I are together. He, he's pretty good, and he takes me to different filming locations. But I was excited for the tour at Universal because I wanted to see the clock tower area, the Hill yeah. Valley, you know? Uh, so, again, I'm totally irrational. So here's what I'm doing. I'm watching as many recent YouTube videos of the Backlot tour that I can see to see if there's the likelihood, because it's a living set, things change. Sure. Am I going to see it? And uh, we get in line. Tom, very wise, asks the guy who's you know helping us load into the the car. Hey, are you, are they going to go there today? He's like, oh, they don't tell us, but I don't think so. And so I, here I am, stressed the entire time. And mm-hmm. as fate would have it, we make that turn. I see the clock tower. I <laughs> geek out significantly and it went on to be a beautiful day <laughs> that stress was real <laughs> that's funny <laughs> but you did get to see it which is good um i did many selfies uh phone video I, i'll admit i took the sony tour a while ago and when i took it uh, and back in january um 
within the first 20 minutes, like we walked out of the museum and I looked at the tour guide and I was like, are, are, are we going to, are we going to walk by the Ecto one? And she was like, yes. And I was like, okay, cool. It's like, <laughs> I'll leave you alone now. It was so juvenile. I was like, I've been here before and I have walked past the Ecto one, but I still was like, are, are, are we, are we going to go to ghost core? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I live in Orlando. And so the universal studios here in Orlando used to have the Jaws ride. We don't anymore. So as yeah. much as I wanted to see Jaws again, the only thing I cared about was seeing the clock tower. <laughs> Hill Valley. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, it sounds to me like, you know, the complications and stresses you had were, were generally um, about travel and about whether or not you defeated Koopa <laughs> rather, <laughs> rather than whether or not you got the signings done, which is good. Um I mean, you know, I mean, if you've been like, it was terrible. We forgot all our markers at home. We had to go to Michael's. Um, we couldn't find a Michael's in, in Los Angeles that had paint pens in stock because all the graffiti artists, uh, they, they've caused them all to be locked up where you live. And I'd be like, it's true. Uh, <laughs> but that's true. I first time I had to go buy paint pens. I had to go and get somebody to unlock them for me, which I thought was so strange. But anyway, well, um, what are you hoping to accomplish next? Like what's, I don't know if you can talk about what's on your horizon or like what you want to get done next or, you know? Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, we're, we're currently talking to one or two people, uh, about doing some signings now that, uh, fire firehouse or GV4, whatever you want to call it is officially wrapped. We'd like to pick back up on doing some of this sequel stuff. Sorry, there's crackling bacon behind me. It smells delicious. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, that's where we're at. Um, don't know. I mean, there's nothing set in stone. Uh, this has been our plan the whole time. Figured it was going to be July or August, and here we are. So hopefully, we'll see. Nice. I was just thinking. I want to. I'm going to start this week's episode. I probably won't, but I'm going to start with "Welcome to Extraplasm Podcast." It's the only podcast that supplements its interviews with ASMR bacon. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, anything that you uh, coming off this trip that you, that, that you are, I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? Anything here that you would say like sort of energized you coming off the trip that's kind of motivated you want to um, work harder on? Like, did you come back from the trip being like, I have 12 new toy ideas <laughs> for TCU toys after going to Frankenstein? <laughs> I, I do have something. And so maybe Matt can speak to it as well because it's something we've discussed. But like, uh, what I realized while we were there and I, I don't know, I don't remember really when it was, but, uh, we, we've done a lot. And, and when I look at like the projects, when I look at the boss film project, uh, or the terror dog or the slimer, it's like, holy shit. Like we, we've been able to do some amazing things here. And, yeah. um, and that, but that being said, like, uh, you know, we've been working on them for years, three years in some cases. And, and I think people right. are ready, ready for these to be done uh, based on feedback I've gotten. But also, I think that I think we have done our diligence and, and gotten pretty far down that road of what's possible and, um, you know, how these things are going to shake out. And and I know for me, there's two names left. And if I can get those two, then I can sleep and I can be like mission accomplished. Um, are we going to get them or not? I don't know. Um but yeah, it's just kind of seeing what we've done. And then, you know, we've already discussed like what comes next, you know, once there aren't really many signers left, it's like what comes next. And we've already kind of talked about that. And I think that's what energizes me about mm -hmm. what we've done and what we still have to get to do. Like, right. Yeah. I, I, I think along those terms, um, 
there there are uh, a couple names left on the projects that I, I am really really hoping that we can work with and do that. Otherwise, they're as complete as they're ever going to get, and I'm very proud of what we've done there. I'm obsessed with our trading cards that we have made. So we have a uh, Ray Gun is the name of the company, mm-hmm. but it's a guy named Steve Brownlee. And he, uh, man, he makes these incredible custom cards for all of our signings. I just put them all in my, my book and to see just pages and pages of cards signed by every signing we've done. It's pretty awe-inspiring too. So I need more of those. But I think like the big thing is um, we really, we really need to get, and I really hope to work with McKenna and Celeste. That would pretty much complete yeah. the first round of signings for Afterlife until we sign with Jason, which, uh, I mean, he's been knocking on our door for so long. We've just had to tell him, be patient. Uh, <laughs> so that'll, that'll happen. Um, but before then, if we could if we could get McKenna to do a stateside convention or yeah. we could lock in a private with her and Celeste, um, yeah, we'd be sitting very pretty going into Firehouse. Oh, yeah. 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 I actually have a mission that uh, is Raygun related that someday we'll accomplish. I don't know. But there is a Raygun card that is printed and exists that is unsigned because at the time, and, and we still don't, we don't know who it is, but we, we miss, can, we, we uh, misidentified the person. And, and that person is Egon in the opening of Afterlife. It's not Bob Gunton. It's somebody else. And we can't find out we, nobody will say who it is for some reason which means it's probably somebody whose name you know yeah we right. haven't been able to figure it out so we have a card of him holding the trap that was intended for bob um but bob didn't sign it and it drives me nuts because i want it signed but more more so i want to know why nobody will say who's in the prologue it's weird right, right? so that's our next uh i, I don't know scooby gang event Hey, like I think about that movie and I think about like that character and G- Gozer, right? And it's like for each of those characters, <laughs> there's like three or four different actors who are doing something in the movie, whether, whether it's this is the uh, the like the Gozer performance of, you know, um, the actual, the, you know, the Olivia Wilde performance. And then you've got the vocal performance and then you've got like the performance of the ghost version that was done by. I believe like a ballerina or something. I can't remember, but like, mm-hmm. it's so wild to me that it's like the, that movie has a series of uh, people who are like multiple performers to perf- pull off like one character, you know? So um, it would be interesting to know who that is. Maybe someday we'll find out somebody will spill the beans, but you know, if anybody out there knows, if you listen to Extraplasm and you're like, this is the big scoop. <laughs> I know someone who knows. No. Yeah. Then we can really re- reveal that secret on the, uh, the the extraplasm segment on the containment unit podcast. So to, to sort of wrap up um, here, because I know we've had a good a good conversation for about an hour, and I appreciate both of you putting some time into this, and I know you made time for it. And Matt, you're on a totally different time zone, and you live on the East Coast, so for you, it's like getting to be dinner time or something. Tom's gonna go have bacon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what smells so good? What is your? Do you have? If you have one. Is there anything that you regret that you didn't buy at the Frankenstein collectible show? No, I found something I didn't expect to find there and it blew my mind and I was very happy about it. Because you bought it. I did buy it. Yeah. Do you want to share what it was? Uh, not really. 
<laughs> You're like, I added to my Barbie collection. I'm like kidding. But um, no, the reason I ask you uh, yeah. this is like I watched the two of you walk into a booth full of wax pack, ven- like a wax pack vendor who was just selling wax pack cards. And it was like the two of you lit up like Christmas trees. You're like, <laughs> look. And you just started going through all the different wax packs you could have bought for different things. And then mm-hmm. you were sort of like, hey, what if we bought a bunch of Ghostbusters 2 stuff? And we use them for signings. And I was like, this is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, so there was nothing there that I saw that. Uh, like I look back and go, I missed my opportunity. Uh, but I do, I do, I think wish I grabbed some of those Ghostbusters 2 wax packs. Because uh, I don't have a complete set at the moment. And so I would have loved yeah. to open them and try <laughs> to complete it. Um, and there was, I, I wish I would have got. Um, some Jaws 3D cards. I don't even recall if they had them, quite honestly, but there's a convention coming up in in July here in Florida, and there's some cast from Jaws 3D that's going to be there, and that's like a guilty pleasure of mine. (laughs) So uh, to get Leah Thompson and uh, whatnot to sign, and Louis Gossett Jr. to sign cards for me would have been fun. But yeah, I, I don't think I'm like... I don't think I missed out tragically on anything, but I didn't buy anything either. I I did think of one, Jim. What was it? I I tried to wheel and deal at Frank and Sons on something that I don't think anybody is trying to buy but me. I wanted the the (laughs) LJN, which is a toy company from the 80s, and they had the cab from Roger Rabbit, and it's the one the figures fit in. And Mm -hmm. nobody's trying to buy that but me. And they wanted about $20 too much for it. And so I offered $10 less than sticker and they literally had to call somebody to ask. And, and they said, no. And I, I took a, they were like, they knocked off five bucks. They're like, this is the lowest we'll go. And I said, no, on principle, because there ain't anybody walking into Frankenstein's trying to buy that thing. But me, so <laughs> I wish wants they had, the cab at you. nobody wants money the cap. Uh, so I was, I, I wish that they, I regret that they didn't um, have more business acumen sense yeah that's fair i think that's fair i want to i'll say this one of my new things about negotiating on this is just when somebody says no they don't want to do that i just look at them and i go okay cool so here's your other opportunities you can put it up on ebay they're going to take 14 percent plus whatever the shipping is or i can just pay you cash like 20 percent less than what you're asking how's that sound like and that's the other, <laughs> otherwise you can keep this for another two years and think about selling it on ebay when you liquidate uh need shelf space and then lose all of seller fees and all this stuff and you know, occasionally it actually works. <laughs> Somebody's actually like, oh, no, you're kind of mathematically. That means I'm going to make more money if I just get rid of this now. So mm-hmm. um, I think that you had a pretty good trip out here. Um, if you have the opportunity to come out here again, which I hope that you do, because I would love to see you again sometime soon. Uh, what is something on your next like L.A. trip bucket list that you want to get done, even if it's not like a Ghostbusters thing? Like what's something that you would love to get done on your next trip to L.A.? Uh, so I'm like, I feel bad because when Tom travels with me to Los Angeles, I know he's been, he's lived there. He's done, gone there more times than he cares, but I like to do the touristy things. So, uh, you know, we've, we've done universal now. I wouldn't hate doing another lot, visiting another production company and kind of walking through there. I would love, so you talk about regrets. Here's a regret of mine from FanFest because Tom and I were able to go there the day early to participate in something that I signed an NDA that I can't talk about. And um, <laughs> But we were walking around the store and they had this amazing Columbia Pictures t-shirt that I did not buy 
and I wish I bought it. Um, so maybe I'll go back and get that. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think. Like, um, I, I would love to go somewhere else in California. I'd like to get a little north. Yeah. And maybe get some tours of places. Um, I'd love to go see Rancho Obi-Wan. Yeah. At some point. <laughs> and I've never been to Disneyland. So that that's another bucket list type thing for me, too. So this is what we have to for your next trip. <clears throat> we're, we're, that's it. We're going to Disneyland. That's mm-hmm. what you just said. We're, I'm going. I'll, we'll go together. Let's go. Um, yeah. So, Tom, anything that you hope to aspire in your next trip to California, even though you used to live here? Yeah, there's there's two things that came up really late in the trip uh, that we didn't get to do. One of them, we were uh, tooling around Hollywood Boulevard because uh, Matt hadn't seen the Walk of Fame. And we came across a haunted hotel escape room thing. Oh, and gotcha. I love escape rooms. And the vibe in there was like a speakeasy and they had live music and it was so it was cool. awesome. And they, I think they, they have like six rooms. And so I desperately want to come down and just live in that building for a day and do all six in a row. <laughs> uh, that and then when we went up north to get Mark Siegel, which I think we forgot to mention that. Or no, we did. We mentioned the top, but yeah, he lives it, up yeah. in, in the Bay Area. And our plan for that day was to do the signing. And then I was going to go see the houses from Scream, which are in three different towns up in that oh, area. Yeah. And, and again, traffic uh, made that not possible. So <laughs> I would like to do that as well. Gotcha. Well, I hope that you come back out here uh, and do more stuff soon. I mean, obviously, you're probably not going to come out and be like, yep, come back next week. Um, you know, but <laughs> I think that you had a pretty good trip. Our hope is we'll be out there in about six months. If all things go as planned and hoped, six months might be the right spot. So hopefully we'll see you sooner rather than later. So you're going to be out here uh, hanging up stockings and Christmas lights on palm trees with us? Is that? That's what we <laughs> do in Florida. He's going to say you get that's it's not that different from where you live. Um, for Tom, it is now. That's a little bit different, but a yeah, little bit. But. Um, well, it was really great to see you both when you were in town and um, I mean, really a lot of fun at Frank and son. And I'm glad to have made like got to meet face to face finally after all this time of talking online. But you're always welcome to come back and talk online in the podcast as well. And I think you know that because you're both wonderful people. Um, anything else that you want to throw out there that people should know about before we kind of sign off for this week's episode? Don't be a peck. There you go. <laughs> Don't be a peck. Unless um, you're a really, really good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Um, well, thank you both for coming on the show. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, take care. Take care. All right, thank you. That about wraps things up for Extraplasm this week. I want to say thank you one final time to Matt and Tom for coming on the show and sharing some of the wonderful stories about their trip. It was really great to see them when they were here, and it's fantastic to hear how well the rest of the trip went. I'm looking forward to seeing whatever podcasts may come out of this experience that they had here or uh, what other future autograph signings they're going to be doing. I want to say that if you've ever worried about whether or not you could give two people money on the Internet to get you awesome autographs and trust them, those two are the people you can trust and you should. Uh, The containment unit does great work, and I'm really grateful to Matt and Tom, not only for coming on the show, but also for uh, doing outstanding work to connect so many people with great autograph experiences. I also want to give a quick uh, shout out and thank you to Derek Osborne and Chris Sorrentino. Both Derek and Chris have been on the show before, 
But for Ghostbusters Day, they each sent me a little present, with Chris sending me a print of his amazing real Ghostbusters art that you can find at Pizzaplasm on Instagram, and Derek sending me two original production used 14 by 17 prints uh, from ILM, Industrial Light Magic, that were used during the production of Ghostbusters 2. Uh, so these were like two prints that were used for creation of FX shots requiring hand-drawn frame-by-frame uh, animation, and I was completely overwhelmed and blown away that he sent two of these in a poster tube along with some photocopies of storyboards. Thank you so much uh, to both of you for the generosity on this. While I don't do extraplasm so people mail me things, uh, these were really thoughtful things and I wanted to say publicly thank you. So uh, thank you guys, you're awesome. And lastly, thank you to you for listening, for commenting, for supporting the podcast, and for spreading the word to others about the show. The Extraplasm listening community is continuing to grow, and we're just about two months from one year of podcasting, but none of it would be worthwhile without the fun of engaging you all each week. So if you have something to share or contribute, you have comments you want to you know, add, feel free to hit me up on uh, Instagram or Twitter at Extraplasm, or you can of course reach me uh, via email at extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com. And so, as we close up episode 40 of Extraplasm and I scramble to find the podcast's voice over the next six, I want to remind you to do as Ernie Hudson tells us to do every week. Try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care. <laughs>